Welcome back to the Mobile Home Investing Lessons Podcast with your host, John Fedro. Tune in weekly, plus listen to past episodes designed to make you money, save you time, and give you confidence as an active mobile home investor. Now, here's your host, John Fedro. All right. Welcome, everyone. This is the Mobile Home Investing Podcast number 32. I am here with your host, John Fedro. And I'm going to be your co-host, and my name is Stacy Augustine. <laughs> yes. I'm so happy to be here with you, Stacey. This is awesome. <laughs> this was, yeah, that was the best. The easier the introduction from you, the better. That was perfect. You are hired. <laughs> I'll do all of them. Uh, yeah, that was, that was awesome. Uh, thank you very much um, for being on this podcast. This is a, uh, I, I think in these podcasts, we learn a lot when people do things right. And I know I learn a lot more times when people don't, when people, when, when we are, our, our hand touches the stove and then you can learn through other people's experiences. Um, so that's sort of what we're going to talk about today. Um, wins, losses, uh, good deals, not so good deals, but were huge learning experiences. Um, please Stacy, um, why mobile homes? First of all, well, first of all, it's it's the middle of uh, 2020 or so, maybe the later the later half. Um, how long have you been investing in mobile homes? What did you do before mobile homes? Uh, where are you? Where's your investing happening? And why mobile homes? Just uh, all those questions at once, please. <laughs> yeah. So um, again, my name is Stacy, and. I actually come from a corporate background. So I went to college and did the typical um, work, get, get a degree in engineering so that you can kind of do what, whatever you want. Um, so after I got that degree, I ended up working in construction. And I've always been, I'm, I've always been the kind of person who wasn't really materialistic. So when I got my first paycheck, I didn't really know what to do with it. And I was always taught as like a middle, middle class um, person to just save all your money. But seeing that 0.0005% interest rate wasn't really um, pleasing to my eye. So I just started to read some books. And of course, like everybody else, Rich Dad, Poor Dad was kind of that book that that tipped me over the edge and realized that uh, working a corporate job isn't isn't for me. And so with the little money that I had, I was in SoCal at the time, and with the little money that I had, I wasn't able necessarily to go into actual real property, um, not just because of the money, but also just the confidence. And so I saw these mobile homes and I was like, why aren't people renting these out? This is like instant cash flow. They're so cheap. Um, why aren't people doing this? And I found out that like, obviously there's other things such as parks don't let you um, rent them, et cetera. And so I ended up going to this seminar in like March of 2019. This is like a year after I've just been learning a lot about investing as a whole, trying to figure out what strategy I wanted to pursue. And, and in that March, um, some lady came and spoke about mobile homes and how we can sell or finance them for cash flow and this small barrier um, of entry. And I was intrigued. I was, I was so excited. That weekend, I went out driving for dollars, and every weekend after that, I was just driving around trying to find all the parks um, in my area. I was living in Orange County at the time, so everything was pretty expensive. Um, I didn't really necessarily know what I was really looking for. I think I was just looking for something cheap, but I was ready to get my hands dirty and in investing and just kind of throw myself into the deep end to get some learning going. On that uh that seminar that you went to was it did you did you get paperwork did you get what did they just kind of hype you up and give you an idea and let you let you go or what did yeah so um there was a course i didn't join it right away but um 
yeah, it pretty much just hyped me up because I was looking for direction on these mobile homes for a while, and I really didn't know what to do if I couldn't rent them out. That so that was more exciting to you than the than just fixing and flipping. I noticed you sent that said that a few times already. Like you were more interested in the pat the passive income. Yeah, mostly because I was working a corporate job and I had wanted to leave that, and that was my idea of the only way I could quit my job was if I had this passive income coming in. Which now looking back, it's not that's not necessarily the case. But that was my thought process at the time. Uh, okay. What's changed? What's changed now as far as you're not looking for that passive cash flow? Um, I think I I'm I'm still looking for passive cash flow, but I like to build my capital okay. first so that I can buy assets in in other areas because I live in an expensive area. I'm living in Hawaii now, so. I went from an expensive to a more expensive area. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you uh, you're, you're you're you are you're temporarily in Hawaii right now. You're still investing back in California, correct? That's correct. Okay. We'll be talking about uh, you have multiple deals. We'll be talking about those. Um, the engineering. I forgot about the engineering degree. Do you think that that has helped? in some way with the mobile home investing or it's too soon to tell or it's a uh, good or bad that absolutely i would say um as far as like working a full-time job i know a lot of people um just kind of work like a part-time job to save money and then do this on the side but to be honest that engineering degree really gave me that foundation of being able to produce the money to work on this but not just that uh, going into construction, I would say the the thing I have the most hold on as far as investing goes is the construction side, um, especially like not to play a woman card or anything, but like as a woman, it's kind of hard to get these guys to do what you want. So the fact that I'm knowledgeable and confident in what I'm saying, it helps a lot. I can imagine that 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 helps a ton. The confidence and knowing what you're talking about, talking the talk and walking the walk. They take advantage of me or they take advantage of everyone. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah. yeah. Um, so you, okay. So you were, you are, you were working 40 hours a week. Um, that, uh, more like, oh, go ahead. more like 60 to 80. <laughs> Sorry. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. That engineering life. Uh, your first mobile home, how, how soon after that, I want to say it's like a, it was just a workshop. How long after that workshop, you're driving through parks, um, you wanted to stay local. Was that important? And you did find something local. What is your first deal? Um, yeah, talk to So your first deal, just sort of to preface this, and then I will shut up and let you talk. Um, your first deal was the one where you, um, you've you learned so much. It was, a. I mean, I'm not sure if we could describe it as a bad deal. I don't know if there was a good or bad deal. It, it got you into this business and you're still going after after everything that's happened. So the first deal was certainly one that you've grown a ton from. Um, and then I want to talk about deals number two and three and four. But uh, yeah, that first deal, just for folks that are, are listening, for everyone. Um, yeah, this is one of uh, that's that Stacy has uh, you pushed and pushed through. Anyway, okay, I'll be quiet. How did this deal come about? This first one, yeah. How soon after? Uh, what training did you have? Were you by yourself? How scared were you? Where'd you find it? All of that, please. Yeah. So, um, like I said, right after that training, I was driving around for dollars to every single park in the area, and. I think I was driving around for like two months every weekend and eventually I ran into this park. It's, it was like a five star park. I, I drive into it. And if you don't really know what a mobile home looks like, then you would assume that this is just like a regular community. This, yeah. Like usually we, we hear like trailer trash, right? But this was just like the complete opposite of that. And it was in a very expensive area. And I remember seeing it. I think what I was, like I said, what I was looking for was just something cheap. And um, it was 19, listed at $19,000 listed by the park. And um, the, 
the one thing that threw me off with that house was that the lot rent was $2,250 a month. And so I was kind of, I was kind of skeptical about like jumping in this deal. But at the same time, I knew that, um, if I were to lose all my money, it wouldn't be too big of a deal because one, I have a stable job and two, I know that this is like the fast track to learning what not to do. (laughs) (laughs) So I wasn't saying, I wasn't going into it thinking I was going to lose all my money, but I knew that it would be okay. Um, And so when I saw that house, I remember like, watching a lot of your videos, John, and figuring out, like, how am I going to talk to this park owner? Like, I'm so nervous. I don't even know what to say to this guy because I know I need to ask him permission. Um, and, and the course that I had taken was more so of, like, a wholesaling co- course. Um, so I definitely, like, had some contracts that, that helped me out a lot. But, um, I mean, generally, I kind of just shot from the hip, really. <laughs> Um, and, and I asked them like, Hey, this is my intention with, with this house. Um, are you okay with that? And if so, then I'd like to make an offer. And surprisingly, he was so okay with that. I remember walking into that appointment and like my hands are sweating. I'm like shaking (laughs) (laughs) and it was not even that bad. Like after I said it, I, I just felt this huge relief off my shoulders Cause he was just like, yeah, that's fine. And I'm like, what was I so scared of? <laughs> and even if he said no, it's like, just go to the next person and ask again. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, I ended up making an offer at 12,000. Um, and he did not like that. He wasn't a fan of it, but I ended up talking to like the owner of the park. Um, and they were just like, yeah, we can't do that. That's too low. And so I sat on it for two weeks uh, to see, like, if they would budge. And when I called back, they still wouldn't budge. So I was just like, man, I'm really, really hungry. I really want to do this deal. Um, keep in mind, I haven't even, like, looked through all of the parts in, in that, like, one city. I was just, like, so hungry that I was just willing to – risk whatever I had, not knowing that was a dumb decision, but anywho, um, eventually I made the offer for 14,000 and they were okay with that. So I ended up buying that house for 14,000 thinking that I was going to sell or finance it. Um, I didn't even run any numbers as far as what my cash flow would look like. I only ran numbers for a flip. So as you can see, like I really had no idea what I was doing. Hmm. This, uh, first of all, I mean, you you had the guts to do this. You were ready. Um, Nineteen thousand was the asking price. This was a fa- a family. This is a mobile home. This is a family park. Yeah, and all the other houses were listed at like sixty to one twenty k. Okay. Well, that makes okay. So then, even more, you're 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 seeing this. You're saying twelve thousand. How could that not be a good deal? Or fourteen thousand, two thousand two hundred and fifty dollars. That is a <laughs> lot of Subway sandwiches. That's incredible every single month. And uh, but you know you just okay. So what what else did you do to prepare? Who did you talk to? Did you talk to any local realtors or like how'd you? Yeah, I mean, what uh, what kind of you? Yeah, so the first thing that I wanted to make sure was that I could afford it. So I sat. That was, I guess, that was like the cash flow numbers. I I, I um, calculated was, hey, am I gonna go negative? Not this deal, but am I gonna go negative if Ooh. I'm paying for this every month? And I was fine. So I made a whole plan with that. Like, if I had to pay this for a year, like, how would I survive? Um. And then I also reached out to a local mentor of mine who owned um, a real estate club um, in the area, and I asked her about the deal. And uh, she told me that, like, her auntie lived in that park and that people wanted to live in that park. It was a good area. 
So I was like, yeah, let's do this. Let's, let's, let's go all in. And she was the one who, um, who kind of helped me make that number of offering. And I remember her telling me, like, because I was super scared. And I was like, I'm really afraid of this lot rent. And I remember her telling me, like, look, in this business, you're going to be scared, but there's a, there's one point where you just have to, <laughs> you just have to go for it. And these risks are, are going to be worth it in the long run. So I, a lot of it was like me proving it to myself, but also proving it to someone else that I could do this. Um, yeah. So I reached out to a realtor and that's pretty much it. Were all the local lot rents in the area over 2000 or right around here? That's the thing, John. I didn't even know. What did you come to find out? Were they all similar? Or... Yeah, they were. I mean, that was definitely the highest lot rent in the area, but they were about, I think the cheapest was like 1700 Okay. Which is still a significant looking... difference from that 2250 that is a bit 500 yes yes it is i mean i'm not sure the amenities that come in this community i am looking at the pictures and even the before pictures are i mean i would have no problem being this is looks really really nice double wide uh is it a two bedroom two bath or three bedroom? two bedroom okay i mean even the before pictures look great move right in yeah the, could, i mean you did update yeah the but, park oh, the park ahead. actually did did that they had put new carpet um, they fixed, quote unquote, they fixed the leaks, which was a lie. They actually had more leaks that I had to fix. Roof, uh, roof leaks or plumbing leaks? Uh, plumbing. Did they, how long were they selling it for, or was it on the market before, before you found it? Yeah, it was on the market for a while. I was like there for a couple months and that should have been a red flag, right? Like if they couldn't sell it at that cheap price, like why? what's what's going on here i and i didn't really bother to dig deeper um i think a lot of it was like it's a two-bedroom also as well not like a three-bedroom um but definitely that lot rent was was the number one factor and were you in your mind looking back were you um were you sort of thinking, okay, well, well, single, if there's a two bedroom single family home in this area, it's not going for anything less than, you know, let's say 500,000. So if I get this for like, surely, like, did that sort of bleed over into your mind, like single families and mobile homes and you know, the, it's worth a lot. So it must be worth a lot or two bedrooms, a two bedroom. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, the biggest thing was the houses around the area were a million dollars. So like yeah. why would no one if you want to live in this area and you're and you don't have that much money like why would you not pay for this yeah. that was my thought i really liked which i didn't i i I don't know if I liked it, but it made so much sense when you sort of looked at the deal and you said, you know, am I going to survive on this deal? Will will, will I make it out um, versus just will the deal be profitable? Will the deal this is one deal of many in my journey? You know, is this one going to be profitable? And um, yeah, just an in, like that just just that mindset and you being so hungry and you wanting this, you got into the home. Um, which, what repairs did you know to make or not make or which repairs did you end up making? Did, and did you do all the work or did you have other people do it? Yeah. So when I, before I, um, made the offer, I actually had an inspector come in okay. like a mobile home specific mm -hmm. inspector. And so he gave me a report of everything that needed to be fixed. It was mostly just like minor leaks, um, in like a faucet or the bathroom, whatever, and then, um, yeah, I mean, that was most of it. It was just like minor leaks. And then I knew I had to like cosmetically fix, fix the place. Cause I was thinking it's a high end area. No one's going to want to buy it like this. But if I had that home in like inland, more inland, yeah, I could sell that as is. When did your mindset um, change of you're going to sell this for cash versus payments? Yeah, so I, I got the house, and um, the first day I got it, I created that scope of work, 
Um, and then I just like started getting bids for everything. My rehab budget was 9,000, but I, I had made like a cushion of an extra 3,000 just in case. Um, and I remember like thinking in my head, look, I've never done this before. I think it'd be beneficial for me to fix a lot of this as a learning experience but I know in the future, I'm, it's not going to be me. And so, I, because I worked in construction at the time, um, I was on the field as well. So I knew a lot of like plumbers, uh, carpenters, all that stuff. And sometimes I would just like talk about what I was doing. And there was this one guy who um, I, was, I was telling him what I was doing. And he was like super intrigued. He has like kids my age. And he was really intrigued about... Um, about what I was doing. So he was just like, look, let me come to the property and, and help you. And, and so we came by that, that day. I remember that day specifically, I was at the property like super late all week. And it was that Friday we were at work really late and I was telling him about it. And he was like, let me come check it out. And I was just like, Oh, I'm so tired. Like, I don't want to go why why right now <laughs> but he was like willing to help me out and do some stuff for free so I was like you'd be stupid if you don't go over there right now so I just went there and I mean lo and behold this guy literally helped me with every little thing every like minor thing that needed to be fixed we worked through it together we removed the range hood we installed a new a new one like he we even like patched drywall on the ceilings and stuff so it was really fun just, like, learning through that. Um, the only thing I subbed out was the painting and the, um, and the windows. The windows. That was a mistake also. Um, just the ROI on that was not worth it for sure. But I definitely learned a lot in that process because I remember getting bids for that, and I got three bids. And there was one guy who was really expensive, one guy who was like $3,000 under um, the middle guy. And because I'm in construction, I know like, I know how these, how these, this bidding process goes. So I go, go to this middle guy and I'm like, look, man, this guy came $3,000 under you. I've seen your reviews. I like you as a person. Can you come down to that? And I'll work with you. If you do a good job, you know I'm an investor. I'll bring you more work. And it came down to the price that I was asking. So I ended up hiring him. And even at that, like, $3,000 discount, it was still not worth it. Um, <laughs> what was the problem with the windows in the first place? What? What was the problem with the windows in the, fir in the first place? They were really, looking back, really all they needed was a good cleaning. They wouldn't even open. They were like hard to slide and stuff. And then just, you know, the hype of these million dollar houses with this double pane vinyl windows. I was like, yeah, we got to do this. You know, like all these other houses have this. This is a high end area. Why would I not do this? What was the cost in that? All the windows? All of them? Um, I can't really remember, but... I mean, total of rehab, I spent $12,000, and the majority of that was was the windows. So I want to say about about $8,000. Okay. Eight can, and there was no, okay, wow. And there was no real leaks or no real issues, just they weren't, uh, they were just very, very used, original, original windows. Yeah. yeah, they were just the original windows of the house. At this point, how many weeks do you think that you had been into it? You're learning. You're having a decent, you know, experience. You you have not put it on the market yet. I don't think. How no. many weeks up to this point? Like the windows are done. How how long did that take? Yeah, I mean the whole construction process only took a month. Okay. Um, I was very very specific on my schedule because again I worked in construction. I understood like how much you have to be on these contractors. Hmm. Or so I thought, <laughs> but dun, dun, dun. I had that whole schedule laid out and I gave it to them. Like, look, this is what my schedule is. Can you meet this? 
And at first he couldn't. Um, and he was like, yeah, these are custom windows. Um, so we did get pushed back like a week, but that was pretty minor. That, that wasn't too bad. Um, Every yeah. week you have holding costs. I mean, in this home, there are some properties to take time and maybe learn some things just for folks listening. But, you know, every week that goes by, it's $600, you know, in just holding costs. Yeah. Um, and then you're doing this yourself. You're making these decisions yourself. Who, um, wow. Okay. Yeah. So please uh, continue with the story. You've, when do you put it on the market? How, what does that look like? What do you start the advertising for? Uh, anything else that we're missing? Yeah, so um, I obtained the property. Um, I was still doing the construction. Um, I remember, so the last part of that whole thing was painting. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going <laughs> to make a, make an event on Facebook, invite all my friends, buy them a bunch of food, pizza, <laughs> beer, whatever. Li I literally made an event on Facebook, John, yes. and I invited all my good friends and said, hey, can you come be a part of my journey? Where like, was I? I didn't get that invite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Guess we didn't know each other at the time, but okay. You're excused. I knew you. <laughs> I knew you. Oh, that's right. So oh, sorry, sorry. I had I had invited all of them, and then like the week before I was going to do all of this, um, I I met this guy on site, and he was like talking about how he has a painting business, and he wanted to get into flipping houses, and so I was like, oh man, like can you come check out my project and tell me how much it would cost you? Because if I'm going to buy all this food for this, these people, like, it's going to cost me money either way. Um, plus, it might look a little ugly. <laughs> so let me see, at least see how much it's going to cost for, for um, a professional painter. And, um, I mean, we ended up working out a deal to, to where he would paint the inside and the outside house for a quote-unquote good price that I thought was a good price probably wasn't still. Um, but he didn't include the painting of the cabinets. So I had spent literally my birthday weekend, the Friday after work, I go over there and I'm like masking everything. Masking is definitely the hardest part of painting, <laughs> um, especially cabinets. And these cabinets are 1970s, like paneling. So that's just not easy to paint. But um, I remember like masking all of that stuff, painting it. And I literally spent until midnight the Sunday before I was going to go to work at 6 a.m. the next morning just painting these cabinets. And I still was not done. I had to come back that Monday and like put all the hardware back on. Luckily, that guy that I was talking about, he, he helped me out. But, um, yeah, I just remember, like, freaking grinding so hard on that. And I ended up hiring this painter, and um, he told me he would be done in one week. He would do, like, three days on the interior, three days on the exterior, and then we would be done. So they had three guys. And they were working on the exterior. These guys were coming in from like three hours away. So I was letting them stay at my house. Um, so we worked out a deal. I was like, look, you give me a discount. You work quick. You can stay at this house. And so I let them stay there. And the three days passed. We're done with the exterior. I'm super happy. And then all of a sudden, he sends the other two guys home. And I'm like, dude, what the heck? How are we going to finish the inside? He's like, oh, don't worry, we got it, like, we'll, we'll get it taken care of. And I ended up having to help this guy a lot. Like, I remember telling him, hey, we need to finish by Monday. And we were there, I was there with this guy all weekend, late, like super late at night, early mornings, and helping him finish this project. And I didn't get, like, any kind of discount or anything, but... Yeah, I'm not working with them ever again for sure. <laughs> I'm I'm looking at the pictures now and they the you know the after pictures look very very good but but to to have somebody 
I mean, that person knows what they're doing. Do you, were they ever, were they just going to drag their feet? I mean, if you didn't step up and were helping, they, did they have their money already? Did you, did you pay them in advance? No. Okay. Okay. Uh, so then you got the rest of the painting done and did you, did you, were you, were you showing the home at all before, before that? No, I wasn't showing the home at all. Um, eventually once we were done with all of the construction, um, I was beat. Like I never call in sick to work. That is not me, but I was so sick that I could not get out of bed for a whole week. Fever, chills, everything. And like my body was just done from not sleeping that whole month. And so I was like, you know what? Like, I'm not even going to try to sell this on my own. If there's one thing I know I hate doing, it's being a salesman. Um, I'm more of a buyer, but, um, so I was like, you know what, this lady that helped me in the beginning, she was also a broker. So I had asked her to help me sell the house. Um, and then, uh, it was up for like three months. And I knew that after, after that third month of it being on the market, I was about to start going under. And I remember like, freaking out and I was just like dude I'm gonna lose all this money why is this home not sold yet like it's been three months what the heck and so I call her and I'm like look I there's no way I can pay for for like a realtor if if this house this house is starting to go under like what's going on why can't we sell this and I mean she said that her phone was like blowing up the whole time um but like no one was able to pay that that space rent and so i was just like oh man i don't know what to do look i'm gonna have to um like let do this myself so that i don't have to pay for that but she was super nice she was more than willing to leave it on the mls for me so that i can um at least have that avenue but i remember being at work and I had just moved to a new project, like a billion dollar project. So this, this project was going on 24 seven and, and like my phone was blowing up all day with people calling me about this house, but I couldn't answer it because I was at work. So I would call them back at the end of the day. And if you're any kind of salesperson, you know, like if your phone's, um, being called, like, you need to answer it right then and there because that's when people are the most interested in that property. But I couldn't do that. And so, yeah, it was just, like, these long three months of constantly calling these people back, calling these people back at night and just trying to close on this house while I was paying that $22.50. Um, but I just kept going under and under and under. And I remember, like, I think it was November of that year. I had bought the property um, in June, on June 1st. That's when I first started paying like the lot rent. And I was like, yo, I need to reach out to John. And that's when I had first reached out to you like via email. And you kind of like walked me through my options and saying like, hey, I know you're listed at this price, but like, is it worth it really to keep paying that to get that price to, or to just get out of it and, and bring that price all the way down? And it kind of just made me think like, yeah, dude, like, why am I trying to get this higher price? People obviously aren't willing to pay. I need to get out of this. I just want to move on. And so I ended up listing, I think, for like 20, 25000 Um, And that's when people really started flooding in. Um, but I ended up selling it for $19,000. Oh my gosh. Oh, I, I know we just talked about this not that long ago, but still it's surprising that that's the number that that person got a, well, the, the park's getting an amazing deal. That person got a very good deal. Let's take it back a few months though. I mean, you, we just kind of really went fast on those three months of, I mean, every time the end of the month is getting nearer, I mean, I know I stress, well, I don't anymore. 
Um, but I used to really stress out when that end of the month is coming up. You know you're going to have to pay another month's lot rent. It's just eating into your profit a little bit. And if the lot rent's six, seven, eight, nine hundred bucks, we can increase the price of the home maybe a thousand dollars or another thousand. And you know people are paying for a few extra months. It's not as big of a deal. But two thousand every single month. You just, I mean, the the stress and the um, the stress. Do you do you think that you were sick a little bit from the stress as well? Not just working and staying up, but were you stressed out at that point yet, or not? Not a hundred and ten percent. Like it was just a a compilation of everything that my body was just like, you need to you need to come to complete halt. Did, did you ever have like an oh crap moment, or when was the fir- well? You, you must have had a lot of those. When was the first one? Was it like right <laughs> after you closed, or did you have like? Just out of curiosity, like, were you just kind of smooth sailing for the first month, or was it only when you put it on the market, then you had a, like, feelings or? Yeah. So my oh crap moment was definitely like the first month after selling. I thought that listing it, it would sell pretty quick. I didn't budget for more than three months of, like, holding costs after um, after construction was finished. And like literally at at month three of of selling that thing, I was living paycheck to paycheck. Oh my gosh, on one deal. Um, And you want it so bad. I mean, the, everything was there, you know, you you have such good intentions and you fix this thing up beautifully and the area is nice. And and if this way, if this home was in a different community, do you think if this home was in the community with $1,500, it would have sold? much quicker and for a higher a higher price yeah definitely what about those other ones that you mentioned you were saying on this same podcast that other people were telling you i think a family member maybe were saying that the other one they they go for 60 to to, to 120 in there what, what, was, what was that about yeah so they were listed at that price and the thing is like because this this home was owned by the park um, they had renewed the lease to make it the most expensive lot rent. So all these other homes that were selling had less uh, lot rent than us. And the worst God. part is like when I was selling it, they lifted the lot rent again. So the new buyer had to pay twenty three fifty. <laughs> oh my gosh, just rubbing salt in there. Um, yeah. My quick math. 14,000 for the acquisition price, 12,000 roughly in repairs, 10,000 roughly in holding costs unless I'm 16. Oh, 16,000. So you were all into this one for over 40,000? Yeah, or... so I was all in at 42, sold for 19, so that loss was 20 $23,000. Buy high, sell low, that's what they always say. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, Stacy, that is well. That that's your first deal. I mean, we're still here. We're still talking. You're still investing in mobile homes. But what a, um, yeah. What's one word you would use to describe that? I mean, I'm just I. Well, describe that first deal. Growth. Yeah, I mean, I knew going in like the amount that I was going to learn was was going to be tenfold. That's something that, I mean, maybe, maybe folks listening are like, well, yeah, I wouldn't do that. Like, it's so easy. You know, like, it's kind of like when I'm watching people on a TV show, like, know the answer to something. And I'm like, it's so easy. It's this one. But I bet if I was there with everyone looking at me or, you know, when the when the spotlight is on you, um, you know, you can make mistakes about the lot rent being too high or about the park manager acting a certain way. But no, nah, nah, I'll just sweep it under the rug or about the mobile home having this many problems. But that's OK. Another one that didn't really look like it sold like it. So we kind of have this confirmation bias where we want to see what we want to see. Um, exactly. And um, what is what did your what does or what did your your second deal look look like? Yeah, uh, some some quick numbers on that. I definitely went closer, I mean, not closer, further away to an area about, like, two hours from that place. Um, lot rent was $600, mm. um, and I ended up purchasing at 8000 put in um, $9,000, and sold it at twenty five. 
So that that deal, um, just going into that, I had so much more confidence. Um, definitely also the number one thing on my first deal, besides like knowing your market that I learned, was I literally cannot do this on my own. I need a mentor. I need someone who has done this for a very long time. And I, like I said, I was already watching all of your videos um, and reading all your uh, blogs on Bigger Pockets, and I was like, you know what? Let's just let's just take this leap, uh, start working with John, and really that that's helped me a lot. I remember um, kind of just making the commitment to making offers and and going 100% into this with the time that I had. Um, and you helping me, um, what's it called, review all these offers, that was like the biggest help for sure. So I ended up buying this house and it was really just a base hit, but that was huge in my book compared to the previous deal that I had done. Good way to really say that about a base hit and just knowing sort of what you're getting into um, in the beginning. We... Uh... We didn't talk about, well, I, I kind of pushed past that first lesson and now we're talking about the second lesson. Um, but on that first lesson, how many offers did you make to other mobile homes before you bought the, the, the one that your very, your very first mobile home for the, for, for the 14,000? Did you make other offers to other people, to other parks? Or was it no, you saw this one and your eggs are in this basket kind of kind of thing? <laughs> I'm actually really happy you, you asked that because I never actually thought about that. I literally made no offer. <laughs> so you're 100% then. If you want it, you got it. You're going to get it. Yeah, I've always been a all-in or nothing gal. So I can see how looking back that was not very smart. No, I did, uh, wait, the no, well, I was going to say if the numbers make sense, but no, they don't, don't always. They yeah. didn't. <laughs> Was there anything that you did, anything that you, uh, yeah, what, what good was, uh, yeah, what, say, uh, you know, were, what was something good about this first one? Um, something good? Yes. As far as the deal goes, nothing, but just, just learning a lot, like, mm -hmm. The hugest thing was was knowing my market. Um, what are other parks charging in the area? Uh, what do the other parks look like? What are their approval process look like? Um, how are the PMs? And really just taking the time to get to know an area, just eating at a local restaurant, driving around, talking to people. Um, you'd be surprised how much people are actually willing to say. And I, I really ignored the fact that everyone was complaining about this park that I was investing um, in and, and really just overlooked all of that because I was so eager. So that second home, that was a base hit. Um, how long from the start to then you sold it and you sold it for cash? Yeah, I sold it for cash. Okay. How long from the start to start to say, purchase to sale? This second home? Um, so I, at first when I acquired it, I wanted to try to sell it as is. So that took a little bit of time. Um, I, I spent like two weeks just seeing seeing the feelers out there. What were people saying to you? How many people did you get through the home? You said that you wanted to sell it sort of as is, needing, it sounds like needing paint, needing steps, needing, there. you said there's soft spots or the floor redone. Um, yeah, what were people saying? How many people were interested? Was there anyone on the hook or just no, everyone that saw it just ran away? Or No, people were actually on the hook. People were offering uh, 20 to 23K for the home, I think. Okay, cash? Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, 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 no. That was after after the repairs. They were they were asked they were gonna pay me. I think it was like eleven, twelve thousand dollars, and I was I was willing to take it, but these guys ended up not being as serious as I had expected. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, they just they just ended up kind of falling off the face of the earth, saying like this is. This is just like a lot of work to do. Um, they didn't want to really take care of it. 
How many beds and baths is, was that second home? The second home was a two-bed, uh, two-bath, but it had a pop-out that was made into a office plus an extra room. So I had advertised it as a three-bedroom, uh, two-bath, and then it had that den when people would come as well. They saw that there was, like, extra room. I'm looking at the pictures now, and it has a lot of space. Was the swamp yeah. cooler working? Yep. Everything was working. Um, whether they had leaks or not was a different story. But I remember bringing an inspector into that property um, as I was negotiating with the seller. I brought an inspector. I don't, I don't know if you remember this, John, but this inspector walked in for five minutes, and he was like, yeah, I'm not even going to waste my time here. He's like, he left and he told me, like, like, look, I've never done this in my 20-something years of being an inspector, but this house is horrendous. Run. The, yes, I do remember. So this is that house. I did not, I no, I did not put that together. I forgot. I didn't realize that this house that I'm looking at right now as, that we're, as we're recording this. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I can see that and it's got, it has potential, but I can, yeah, I can see the before the before pictures. That's funny. I didn't realize <laughs> he, just, he just walks so out. What a good negotiation that. tool. Did that help? Like, did you negotiate yeah. the price down anymore because absolutely, of that? Absolutely. Okay. So I remember calling you and and you were just like, all right, here's what you have to say. Oof. And I, I she didn't she didn't end up answering the phone, so I had to leave a voicemail. But I was just like, look this is scary. Um, I have to convince my partner that, that like we should at least give it a chance and see what we can do with this deal. But, but like stressing the fact that you wanted to walk away. And the next morning she calls me and she's like, okay, fine. Like we could, we could bring the price down and just like being super nice and telling me like all these things that, that she hadn't told me before about the home. And I'm like, hmm. yeah, thank you for being honest now. Hmm. So that helped bring the price down like $2,000. What kind of stuff did, was she forgetting to, to tell you before? Um, she, she had just kind of explained to me what happened with the heater valve. She said that it exploded. Um, a couple months ago but they got it replaced and that's why that's why the heater was falling or not the heater the the boiler that's why the boiler was falling through the floor because that's that's what made the inspector leave it was he walked to the back saw the boiler and the subflooring that was underneath it um i mean it was literally just sitting on two pieces of like two by four and everything was like hanging hanging from underneath j boxes um, piping, all this kind of like loose material, and he was just like, "I'm out." <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> what? A, like, that's probably a good tactic. You can get like a fake uh, inspector right? company right? to like go through your properties and just run out. Yeah, oh. but what karma would that bring me? I thought about okay, it. Yeah. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about it. <laughs> um, so, okay, so I'm still looking at these pictures as we're talking. Um, the okay so then you, you did close on this one um you obviously closed on it you did the repairs what's what's a couple things that you look for now in a handyman or handy handy person that you yeah anything that like i guess stuff or maybe stuff that you're not looking for maybe that might be easier if they yeah things that you are red flags to you for handy people yeah i would say red flag not having a truck mm. Mm -hmm. that's that's yeah that's been something like i've seen these guys roll up in this 1995 honda civic that's like pretty much breaking down um i mean their tools from someone who's been in construction i know like the good brands of tools and i know how much of a different difference it makes in in quality as well and just like looking at all of that stuff of what they have, um, yeah, I mean, now I want to go to their projects. I want them to give me a reference that I can like go see what they're actively doing. 
but at the same time, it's kind of hard because if I'm just looking for handymen, um, I mean, they're, they, they don't have, like, these big projects that they're working on. I found with mobile home handymen specifically, it's, it's kind of difficult, especially um, in California where most people live not in these random areas. Um, but it's hard to find a good guy in these in these in the boonies, for lack of a better term. And there's boonies all across the the uh, country, and that and that's and I agree I agree with you. I second that. Um, so you put nine eight thousand dollars in repairs into this. Uh, no, you bought it for eight. You put another nine into it. Yep. Sold it for twenty. Sold in seventeen. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. I can't do math. Okay. And then withholding costs. So made six or seven. Um, holding costs were about, about 2000 and I made about five, I believe. Okay. Oh yeah. And then how many, uh, before I'm sorry. So I don't remember what your answer to when you, how long was that total? How long did it take you to make that 5,000? Yeah. So when I was in the process of fixing the home, the the potential buyer was already very, very interested. Um, as I was fixing it up, she would come by every week and like ask me, hey, can I see the process? Can I see the process? I really want this home. Um, and so I pretty much had a buyer before I was done with construction. And I made her apply with the park. She had lived in a park previously owned by the same um, management company. And so she knew the park manager already and said that she um, could convince the lady to accept her. But, I mean, that was another red flag for me was I probably should have looked into her credit score because she told me, she told me, um, her credit wasn't good and that they had a repo um, on a car, but it was like two years ago. She applied at the park and one month, it took one month for her, for them to tell me that she got denied, which was super upsetting, obviously, but one month she went, what, what was the funny business on that one? She applied in one month it took because she wasn't getting all of her paperwork in or just. Yeah, I think that's that... what it was. It was like, I was so busy with construction and my full-time job that I was just like overlooking and just kind of trusting that she would go talk to the park owner and get everything that they need. Um, from there, anybody who applied after I got den after that got denied from there, anyone who applied applied through me and I ran the credit score. Did the park tell you why? Was Do you think there was any funny business there? It was the, her credit. And what, what kind of upset me was they said after that um, they kind of knew that, that she was going to get denied. And I'm like, dude, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't why did you just, like, waste my time? But I think also I blame myself for, like, not asking the question. I think a lot of it was she only spoke Spanish, and that park manager um, only, or she didn't only speak Spanish, but she was talking to the one park manager that spoke Spanish, and I was, I had more of a relationship with the lady that, that spoke English. Did she put down any deposit? Um, no. Okay. Okay, so that's another, another, um, or that's a good lesson to take a deposit, I mean, obviously, but, that, but then again, in our, in our conditional deposit, if she's, she is going to get that back if she's if she's not approved. So she would yeah, have gotten exactly. her deposit back. Um, one month is now some some mobile home parks. One month is crazy. Some mobile home parks will allow more than one people person to get approved at the at, at a time, and just the first person that gets approved is sort of the winner. Or you know they'll you can go with whoever you want that's approved. Is this park? Do you think you could have yeah. sent more than one person there? They specifically said I could not do that. And you had to sort of wait until the verdict came back. Unless Pretty that much. lady. Okay. Yeah. Said goodbye. Okay. And so what I had done at that point was just start collecting their applications. Right. And just, and just reviewing it myself and telling them, look, I just got burnt. Someone just got denied. So I, 
I, I believe what you're saying, but I need to run it and see it for myself. And I want to make sure that when I hand you over to the park manager, that one, you have a complete application. So we're not just waiting around because the problem is like, they didn't ask if, if they needed more paperwork, they just assumed that the buyer knew that like they didn't probe them for it or anything. And so I made sure that I had all those documents before I sent the person over to the park. Well, it sold. That was your second home. Um, I'm always curious, do people pay? Did she pay with cash or cashier's check or bank check? Um, I think I told her to pay with the cashier's check. Oh, okay. Deal three and four, can you touch on those briefly? I know they're just sort of in the works now, if you don't mind sharing. Yeah, so I actually... Um, right. So I just, like I said, I just moved back to Hawaii, but right before I left, I had drove through some parks and, and called, called this one guy. He ended up being the owner of the park. Um, we went back and forth about selling some of the houses that he had vacant there. And he's working on like a lot of different projects in that same city on regular homes. So I asked him, I'm like, look, why aren't you doing these small deals? Like, they don't cost a lot of money. And he was just like, yeah, I just don't have the time for it. So, um, of course, I stepped in and asked him if he would sell them to me. Um, but right now, I I ended up making an offer um, for $1,000 per house. And he wasn't a fan of that. Um, he went to go back to talk to his partner and he pretty much told me, look, we don't need to sell. Um, those are really low. Like when I, when I talked to him, I said, look, we're really far away from each other. Like, how can we make this work? And he pretty much just reiterated what I said. He said, we're really far away from each other. We don't really need to sell right now. And I was like, no, no, no. How can, how can we make this work? Um, let me go talk to my partner and, and figure out if we can come up a little bit. Um, and when I had talked to you, John, I had wanted to come up to 2000 on one of the houses and um, stay at 1000 on one of the houses, but you convinced me to just come up a little bit, and he ended up accepting that offer for 1500 and the 1000 on the other one. And pretty much what he said was, look, whenever um, someone – Whenever someone makes an offer and I deny it, they usually don't really come back with another offer, but you were willing to um, try to see how we can make this work for the both of us. So he was willing to give me a chance. Hey, good. Yeah, duh. I mean, yeah. Like you're not going anywhere. You don't run away with your tail between your legs. You came back. What a weird thing. I mean, I mean, it's not weird for me or for you, but for... Uh... That's weird. Okay, so he's obviously dealt with other people or dealt with other investors or tried to. And, uh, well, just there. Okay. They get denied and they get... Uh, so, okay, so where... So you uh, did officially close or those are... That's in the works? Um, it's in the works. I ran a, a title search and it's just like a complete mess. Um, I guess these homes were moved in a really long time ago, like back in 83. Mm when when the park was owned by a previous owner and the previous park owner had not done any paperwork to um transfer it into their park or or into their name for, even so right now they have no title um and the title search showed that there's like a huge tax lien on the property um it has taxes haven't been paid since 83 plus it's the situs address is like over a hundred miles away. And so I just kind of put it in their court to clear that and like, Hey, I'm so interested. How can I help? But yeah, I mean, that's where, that's where it's at right now. Okay. Um, so as an investor, a few things going through my head, um, as a mobile home investor, we obviously want to be a, uh, or we want to try to be sort of a one-stop shop. The more, and this, this more pertains with, 
uh, sellers that aren't the park owners or aren't the park managers. But if you leave a seller to their own devices, they're going to find somebody else that wants to help them or they're going to ask questions to somebody that says, well, hey, let me show you or hey, let me let me do this for you or let me get, you know. Yeah, they're going to. So we, we want to be those people. We, we want to be the one stop shop to sort of babysit the person. Here's the paperwork. Here's what you have to do. Here's where you have to sign. Let's do it. Let's go together. And then I'll, we'll buy it from you. And, uh, you know, don't leave that person out of your sight. With the owner, it's a little bit with the park owners. It's a little bit different, but we can still show that we are, you know, quite different from other investors there. Um, and after we after this podcast, I'll go. We'll go ahead and talk because in. Um, California, you should be able to wait. You should be able to get those taxes waived, um, or at least a huge chunk of that. I would be more proactive about this, but the big distinction is you are talking to the owners of the park. They're not dummies. They don't need you to to micromanage them. A seller might. A seller we would want to, or you know, be like open to that and encourage that but a park owner we don't have to but we do want to follow up we do want to be proactive to call back uh, and just th this thing has been sitting there for the last uh 36 7 years not having the taxes paid whoever just in and out of it doing whatever i mean these folks have been kicking the can down the road um that's an option as well. It's not the best option, and we won't get clear title, but to continue kicking that can down the road. I wouldn't want to do that. You know, I would want to solve these issues, but um, you've all, I guess the point I'm getting at, and for the folks listening, like you've made the this park owner sort of knows you. You're making a name for yourself. You've done a good deal of the hard work. You found the deal. You're negotiating it. You're doing your due diligence. The relation, somebody's going to have this home. Someone's going to, make some sort of profit with it or create value with it. Um, I mean, obviously I want that to be you. What are, what would the numbers be? If you're into both of these one, a thousand, one, fifteen hundred bucks, what do you conservatively think the repairs would be? And then are you selling both of these for cash you think, or is the area more of a payment, a, a payment, a payment area? It's probably more of a payment area, but because the prices are pretty low, we might be able to mm -hmm. get cash for it. But right now, I'm just trying to focus on that one two-bedroom, two um, 1.5 bath. The other one that that I said I would buy for a thousand is a one-bedroom. Um, but if I buy that two-bedroom at fifteen hundred, I'll put about two thousand dollars into it. I finally found someone solid out there that that could help me out for really cheap, um, and then I would resell it for for about 10 12 do you on payments. sell it for 10 to 12 on payments um even that seems low well i guess it's a one bedroom or no that's the two and okay no it's a two bedroom but even that it's seems a, two a little bit low how many how many payments would that be i would not make it longer than a year is that because you want somebody in the home and that's what's realistic or you just don't even want to be in these homes longer than a year i don't want to be in okay. these homes longer than a year i want these small deals to just be a way of, okay. that i could build capital pretty quick um any advice for anyone sort of um, getting on the fence here's here's my question any advice for southern california investors um definitely know your market Make sure you're going to all the parks in that area. Know your numbers. If you're trying to flip for cash versus get seller financing, have an idea of what you're trying to do before going into it. Don't be so blind like I was. But at the same time, like don't be afraid to take action because even if you take the confidence going into the deal, coming out of it, you'll you'll definitely gain all of that confidence that you just faked. I love that. You're so, <laughs> you got to, well, I mean, you have to hey, fake it till you make it, but um, that saying exists for a reason. Would you, what would you say is an, is a, a, a dollar amount that would be, I don't know if safe's the right word, but you know, if someone came to you and say, Hey, I have, you know, 10 grand, excuse me. I'm, you know, I'm working just a regular, you know, job minimum wage or something. So I don't, you know, I can't, uh, you know, but they have 10, 10, 10 grand in savings. Is that enough? What is your, what's your thought there for the area? 
Yeah, I mean, if you want to start off with 10K, you can definitely do that, but just be expected to drive if you live, like, in the city. Um, the, these deals that I have have, these $1,500 are, like, three three hours away from my where I was living in L.A., so just be expected to drive out there. That's a long ways away. Yeah, I mean, you got to do what you got to yeah. do, right, John? No, seriously. I mean, but it, it is. And they, and it's it's three hours away, but it's there. People want to be there. People are there. People are spending money. People are living. And hopefully it's not just the one. Is You know, if it's three hours away, each park that we break into, ideally, unless it was a mistake to get into that park, should lead us to two, three, four, seven, eight deals. And then, you know, in the area, we spend out there, we advertise more, we grow a little bit more. So hopefully it's not just three hours for, you know, one deal. But um, yeah, the great. Yeah. Thank you so much for that advice. I mean, it took you a lot of time and energy and stress and money to get to that advice. And I, I hope that folks listen to it. Thank you again, Stacy, for being on here. Anything you ever need. I'm always a call away text, you know, anything like that. Stacy, is it okay if I put you on the spot? I know there's going to be other Southern California, California humans in general, uh, where no matter where they are that might want to reach out or I hate the term, pick your brain or, you know, talk to you. Uh, do you, would you mind if folks reached out to in some way? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love that. Um, so I'm on Instagram. You can follow me there at Real Estacy. So that's R-E-A-L-E-S-T-A-C-E-Y-Y. -Y. Awesome. Shoot sure me a DM there. I'll be you. more than happy to help out. That's awesome. Okay, cool. Awesome. Very cool. I will, uh, yeah, if it's actually okay, I'll probably just put a link to that as well on the uh, page. Yeah, please. I would love that. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, just so, and even that says, I mean, just so much like you're giving of yourself, you're open, you're happy to like, you knew exactly, I mean, yeah, you know exactly the fear and the stress that you were going through and to, you know, prevent somebody else from doing that or to just be any kind of wisdom that just doesn't surprise me, first of all, and you're already busy. And then just to add, you know, that I know that folks definitely are going to reach out to you. Um, yeah, thank you again. Yeah. The ideas and advice given in today's episode are for entertainment purposes only. If you have future ideas or questions for upcoming episodes, please email us at support at mobilehomeinvesting.net. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, the biggest compliment you can give is to like and share this podcast with your friends. 